Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, now part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Remember, always use your head. You look like a dude who should be pumping my fucking gas. This isn't doing it for me. There's, I'm not getting, in, I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. He was a before the bell rings all star. All right, everybody. It is Thursday night, September 7th, 2023. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com, where we remind you and encourage you to always use your head. You can also listen to us on just about anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. I'm going to go around the room and introduce this cast of characters like I do every single week, starting from the Rob the Genius Podcast, the Minister of Truth, the father of facts and figures, the deacon of data, the official shoot bear of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, and the man with the golden shovel, Mr. Rob, with a fresh haircut. Looking good, sir. Well, that's it. was back to school night. I was going out into the general public. I had to clean yourself up a little bit, did you? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, right. I, I, I couldn't go in there with the, uh, the kind of woolly mammoth look that I had going on last week. Yeah, that's going to be me here in about a week if I don't do something about this head and this beard. I'm starting to look uh, very, very troll under the bridge. And Bucky's tag team partner hailing from the Purple Haze and as at this point officially the governor of Cloud9, a man destined to go through a barbershop window. Jason, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Hanging in there. Well, one day closer to vacation, sir. I am now. I am now seven days and counting. Counting it down. Uh, Jason, you there? I think you froze up. Oh. All right. And I, well, I'm, I'm my fingers crossed next week because uh, next week I have to call in for jury duty. Oh, that's the worst. I got hit twice in uh, in like three weeks here about a year ago, man. It was rough. I hate that crap. I hate jury duty. I hate having to... That's a whole thing. I could go on like a whole thing about it. Anyway, I am the man with the award-winning and holy beard DJ counting down the days to vacation. Uh, first thing I want to do is apologize to you, the listeners, and everyone uh, over at thechairshot.com. We uh, have been really good for the little over a year that we've been on the... Chairshot Radio Network for putting out an putting out an episode every week. And uh, to be fair, in our credit, there was an episode recorded last week. Uh, I edited it. I sent it over. I sent it over to my boss, and he texts me back about 30 minutes later. Says there's no audio. I said, What do you mean? He said there's no audio. I'm like, All right, well, let me find out what's going on. So I go back to the raw video that we you know recorded that that day, and it had audio to it. So I ran it through my my editing software again, and 
This time I played back and there was no audio. There was no audio. I did it three or four times, shut down my computer, brought it back up, closed everything out, repeated the same thing again. Um, couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. Um, tried editing an older raw video from a show that we did you know, maybe two or three weeks ago. It edited just fine. Audio came through and everything. So the only thing I can come up with is that that particular audio file portion of last week's episode got corrupt somehow or another because I even had Rob email me his copy and it was exactly the same as mine. I tried to upload it, edit it, do everything that I normally do on a weekly basis and I had no audio to the thing. So last week's episode did not air. Uh, for those of you that are faithful listeners and rely on us every week, uh, I do apologize for that. I don't have an answer for what happened. Uh, hopefully we don't run into that problem again. However, all is not lost. All hope is not sunk. I was able to salvage something from this. If you want to go to YouTube, look up the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. You can not only listen to that episode in its entirety on our YouTube channel, but you get to see our beautiful mugs right there live on camera. You can see the award-winning beard. You can see the shoot bear, and you can see the governor themselves, all three of us, talking about a variety of different things, man. The episode is called Brawl In Part Do. And while you're there, why don't you click on the subscribe button and watch a couple of the other videos there. We're always trying to build up the YouTube channel. I don't talk about it much here, but when we can put things up there, we'd like to. And this was the only way that I was able to salvage that video and, and that entire episode. And I thought it was a great episode. We talked a bit about All In because All In was two weeks ago. Jason watched the show. Jason had a lot of thoughts on the show. And, you know, and then, you know, that goes without saying the the shenanigans that occurred at the beginning of the show and during the show and involving one CM Punk and Jack Perry and Tony Khan and all the fallout from that. Everything that we recorded at that time was up until before CM Punk was ultimately fired from AEW. So at that point when we recorded, we... CM Punk was still part of the company. We had no idea what was coming down the pipe just a few days later. So the, the discussion that we had at that point was with the knowledge that we had at that point in time. Tonight, I want to start off the show kind of picking up where we left off there, knowing what we know now. CM Punk has now been released. Um, there, Rob and Ray Cash from The Outsider's Edge... PC Tunney from DWI and the Bandwagon Nerds, all part of the Chairshot Radio Network, had a great discussion over the weekend. You can check that out at thechairshot.com. I believe the episode is called The Emergency Punkcast. Uh, Rob, you guys had some great thoughts in there. Rob really got to cooking about two-thirds of the way through the show, made a really great comparison about Dennis Rodman and Michael Jordan. And some of the things you said, Rob, I really, really agreed with when Tony brought CM Punk on board. And there's, there, here, I'm gonna start with a question that I posed and Ray Cash posed on that episode that you guys did. And I I think I discussed this in the, the episode we did last week that's on the YouTube channel now. When I look at this situation through Jack Perry's eyes and Jason, or Rob, real quick, can you message Jason and let him find out if he's coming back on? Please. I'm here. Oh, you're here. Okay. I, I, Jason, I lost video on you, so and I didn't hear any audio, so I yeah. wasn't sure what happened. Okay. Jason, still with us. I had to switch to the phone, but I am still here. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Glad you're still here. Um, when I look, so the, 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 the situation stemmed from, you know, 
CM Punk's on Saturday Night Show Collision. Jack Perry had a segment, and the segment apparently he he wanted to include using real glass. CM Punk shot it down. Uh, the the situation at All In happened. Jack Perry said what he said, broke the fourth wall, and it pissed CM Punk off. We all know that story. The question that I posed, and this this is where I lay a lot of the blame on Tony Khan. When I'm looking at this through Jack Perry's eyes, Jack Perry is a guy who was one of the first people on board with AEW. He's been a ride or die since day one. Who is CM Punk to tell me what I can and can't do on a wrestling show? And where is my boss? Okay, that was the question that I posed. That was a question that Ray Cash posed. And and, and that's really where I think this all kind of boils back down to Tony Khan's lack of leadership. Did he bring CM Punk on board to be a wrestler? Did he bring CM Punk on board to be a de facto EVP, a locker room leader? We know Punk has a history of just taking it upon himself to try and anoint himself locker room leader. Did Tony give him the, the freedom to go ahead and do that? Did Punk just go ahead and take it upon himself? Or did Tony knowingly put him in that role and if he did did he explain this to the other talent and my guess my assumption is that he did not which is why a lot of people in that company right now are probably in were in their feelings over one CM Punk being there to begin with you know we've all been here since day one you know since the initial um press conference and the announcement that AEW was going to be a company Jungle Boy was one of the names that was on board with this from day one. And now you've got this Johnny come lately. Yes, CM Punk is a bigger star than just about anybody in that company. Okay. Save maybe a, a very small handful with fingers left overs, left over guys. CM Punk's the largest name they've signed since that company started. And yes, he brings in a certain amount of cachet. He brings in a certain amount of fans. But if you're looking at this from the other side of the street, this guy's not my boss. He's not the guy that hired me. There's already heat in the locker room with this guy. So now we're here. He's telling me. Go ahead, Jason. I need to jump in, to jump in right there because my point jumps right off of that. Okay. So who arranged the car, the glass, the whatever? So did they? Did Jack Perry just roll up with the, hey, this is the car we're going to use? My understanding is that management had him rent a car. I could be wrong on that, but that's what okay. I understand. Then, then end of story. They knew he was going to do it. So Tony knew he was going to do this glass spot. That Regardless of whether Perry said anything or not to the camera, okay, that's going to piss Punk off because it, immediately it happens. You know it's real glass because of the way it breaks. And you're like, wow, I'm glad someone didn't sever an artery. Um, But, okay. So it's very clear. Someone brought that in. So props brought that in at the approval of someone. So at that point, even if I turn to the camera and say, ha, 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 real glass. Well, yeah, man. The people who cut the checks got me, or at least approved, real glass. Right. And, you know, at that point... So who is to and then spinning off of your point, DJ? Who's the boss here? Exactly, and I'm I'm the guy that's going to look at this from the different angles, the different perspectives, the different you know cameras. Um, you know, I see where Jack Perry's coming from, but I also fundamentally understand and agree with CM Punk's wrestling show philosophy, and it was 
on one hand, was it unprofessional of Jack Perry to do what he did, break the fourth wall, look at the camera, and poke the bear? Absolutely. But CM Punk has got to get his temper under control. At the end of the day, was it really that big of a deal? Like, is this something that needed to turn into another fight that disrupted what should have been a huge moment for AEW? AEW was poised to take a huge victory lap. 81,000 people in Wembley Stadium, a huge show, a rocking show, and by all accounts from everyone who saw it, a good show. And now, because CM Punk can't control his temper, because some kid got on some kid, and I say kid, you know, Punk's my age. Punk's a couple years younger than me. He's in his 40s, mid-40s at that. And he's going to let some kid 20 years younger than him get under his skin? Who's the adult in the room here? Because it apparently is not CM Punk. It is not Jack Perry. Where the hell was Tony Khan? Okay? Was Tony, like, they say he was hanging out in Gorilla, and next thing you know, there's just this big... Now, we also don't know how quickly all of this de-evolved. This could have been seconds. And, and you, if you've ever been in a fight, you know sometimes a fight goes from zero to 60 in like 1.3 seconds. And there's not a whole lot of time for somebody to step in and, and cooler heads to prevail. If it went from zero to 60 just like that, there might not have been much Tony could do. I also think we should take the order of events and the, the you know, the sequence of events and the however long it took with a grain of salt, because we're all getting this third, fourth hand, fourth hand, because Tony didn't actually d describe the incident. He right. just said, oh, you know, never before have I feared for my life in a wrestling show. So, like, we don't know exactly what happened, and I think it's kind of foolish for us to kind of comment too heavily on that, but I think it's safe to say who was the intact. Well, based on the, the so reporting so far, you can say that Punk was the aggressor, at least in the physical altercation. Right. And if you want to listen to the legalese end of that, again, go and listen to um, the, the, the podcast that Ray, Rob, and PC Tunney did here over just a few days ago. Like I said, over on thechairshot.com, it's called Emergency Punk Cast. They break down the legalities of it. Rob, you know, has some really good insight on, you know, just some different things. But the one thing that, Rob, I wanted to jump in here on was something you talked about on that is how if Tony brought Punk in, obviously there was a specific reason. There's still a, a want and a need from wrestling fans for CM Punk because he never, using the popular verbiage, Punk never got to finish his story, okay? Right. Punk didn't go out the way Punk wanted to. This was the perfect opportunity to bring him in. One, let him do things on his terms. Two, let him make that company some money, which by all accounts he was doing, and Rob, the point you made was, you know what, you, even if you don't like the guy, you may just have to deal with it because right now he's making us money and right now he's helping us do what we need to be doing. Yeah, and so now I think for one, Tony, at least appears to me that Tony is guilty of not just accepting who that guy is before he even talked to him. Because um, we know Tony's a mark. So Tony's looked at CM Punk probably through rose-colored glasses. Um, and and a lot of and a lot of us do too. I mean, like me and Jason don't because he talks shit about our boy. <laughs> so it's been you know. Hey, been, but even I had to come back again. I'm I'm gonna talk about this till the day I die. Check the tape. Check about check the episode we did about his comeback. I was even I. That's how good this guy is. That's how charismatic this guy is. 
he even he's even sucking me in. I was like, yeah, give him the chance. Blah blah blah. Boy, man, wow, dummy. Well, if you're Tony, you know you can't look at this guy through rose colored glasses. You, I mean, which I think he did. I think well, we look Tony appears to be. Now, now, look, he's not as naive as he lets on because you know he, he is a he, he can be as much of a cold businessman as anyone else. But <clears throat> I mean, in certain matters, I think he is not necessarily naive, but he looks at stuff through rose colored glasses. Well, this and, again, this isn't even his first fight there. No, but I'm I'm talking about before you, before you even sign CM Punk. Yeah, before he's oh, looking at before, CM before, Punk as what he thinks he is. Gotcha. Yeah. Before you even sign, like you need to be honest. You need to, you know, be, and you need to see that you know, judge the guy for exactly what he is, right. and then decide: Do I want to bring that guy here? Not you yeah. know, not do I want to bring you know CM Punk, who I love to death as a fan, here. Do I want to bring Philip Jack Brooks in my wrestling company, knowing what there is to know about him? And go ahead, Rob. You're, you're not bringing, you're not bringing an in living color, the in living color song that he comes out to. I'd be humming that right now. You're actually bringing a cult of personality. Yeah, and and you need to, and so you need to be honest about. Okay, well that this is who Philip Jack Brooks is. This is his history. This is what he's gotten into with people, et cetera, et cetera. These are things he said about various people over the years. Okay. This is how he's known to, you know, operate. He how to cut people off and all this type of stuff. And you need to be honest about that. And then you need to say, okay, do I want to sign that guy to work in my wrestling company? Yes or no. And if you say that despite all of this shit, I just I want this man working for my wrestling company, then you need to be honest about that. You need to be honest about who you're bringing in. And then you need to be honest with your the rest of the people working there. And because it seemed to me like everybody was just kind of hoping for the best. And not looking and not being honest about what it was. And you can't do that. Um you, because and you know, you, you can't. I mean it, like it, Look, it, man, this guy's gotta be the show. Otherwise, sooner or later it's gonna be a problem. Well, I think there's several things at play here. And Rob, you touched on one of it. One, at the end of the day, Tony's a mark playing with action figures in an EFED. Yeah. And so he's he's already looking at, you know, who he thinks CM Punk is without knowing who Phil Brooks is. And I'm not saying Phil Brooks is a bad person. Because there's plenty of stories out there where Phil Brooks, the guy, has been awesome to people backstage. Uh, Darren Young had a great story about him when Darren was still kind of closeted you know, in the obviously Darren now openly gay, but you know, CM Punk, he tells a story that CM Punk came to him once when he was first kind of slowly starting to come out in the locker room. Punk's like, Hey, if anybody has a problem with you, you tell them to come to me. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, I, I think that's that's a pretty stand up thing to do. He's very, very vocal about his uh, his views on women's rights, his views on you know, women's bodies and their choice. And you know, and I respect all those things. He seems to have some pretty good. Um, core values. Um, I think he's very disillusioned about the business itself and his place in it. Um, and I think that that jaunt makes his view of himself and where he should be in the business very jaundiced. Um, I, I think that there, there's a lot of that going on. But I think Tony didn't approach hiring him 
like a CEO. I think he saw, yeah, it's CM Punk. He's going to make me money. He's CM Punk. All these people are going to come over. They're going to love him. And to a certain degree, he wasn't wrong. But I think he took what he thought he knew about the WWE versus CM Punk situation, and he relied too heavily on the the popular internet kind of belief that CM Punk was completely wronged, that CM Punk was absolutely harmless and blameless and guiltless in all of this. And that's just absolutely not true. There were so many twists and turns and bumps in the road where CM Punk should have acted a little better, should have behaved a little better, and should have understood the business a little better and where he stood in it. The weird thing about all of this is that when you look at AEW on paper, it's custom built for CM Punk. They are the anti-WWE. We are not them. They, they planted that flag in the ground day one. We are not WWE. We are not going to run like WWE. We are going to run a company that allows the wrestlers to creatively express themselves and, and whatever, you know, whatever this company's, you know, uh, mission statement and, and their, their foundation was. It was very much CM Punk because everything that they were was everything that he wanted from WWE. The ability to express his wrestling the way he wanted to and express himself the way he wanted to and, and not have the, as these guys like to put it, the handcuffs on him creatively and, you know, all these things. And, and so AEW as a renegade company was very much like when they said they were signing PM, CM Punk, I think my words were, that's a great home for him. And here we are, you know, two years into his AEW tenure and, you know, now it's over and it was absolutely the worst place for him. Like I, I would argue, because I didn't hear any any real. There, there were no real fist fights with him in in WWE, were there? I don't think so. No. No, but there were also people in that locker room who would keep him in check, and there was also an owner of that company who would keep him in check. And I think whether he wants to admit it or not, CM Punk's personality needs someone like a Vince McMahon. I mean, Otherwise, yeah. he just gets out of control and rubs people the wrong way. And I don't think he does it intentionally. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's um, knowingly or intentionally malicious. I don't believe that at all. I believe he just has a personality. He has a way that he likes to do things that just rub people the wrong way. And I can understand completely why long tenured people in AEW would be looking at this guy going, who the fuck are you? You know, I'm here to do what I want to do, get myself over and build my brand, which to a degree is what Jack Perry was trying to do. I'm not defending everything he did or everything he said, but in his own head, in his own way, he's trying to build his brand, whatever that means to him. You know, whatever that is to him, wherever the end is to that and whatever it is for him, that's what he was trying to do. CM Punk disagreed with it, the two butted heads, and here we are. Yeah, and now I guess my thing is, again, uh, I'm going to go back. You got to, if you're going to sign this guy, you got to accept who he is. And that's why I made the Dennis Rodman analogy. When, when, when Chicago traded for Dennis Rodman, they didn't harbor any illusions about what they were getting. And they knew this was a guy who was going to, who was going to be out all night. And you might have to go wake him up in the hotel room to get him to come to practice. Uh, they knew this was a guy who might show up on Monday night show during the NBA finals. Um, they knew, and and they didn't harbor any illusions about him being that guy, and so that's how they operated. And and everyone was honest, you know, 
from management to Phil Jackson on down that look, you know, we we brought this guy in because we need him. If we want to win the championship, we need this guy and what he can do. Because we tried it without him last year, and we, we, it didn't work. And and so I think now obviously we don't know what conversations were had by Tony with the rest of the talent there, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that Tony did not tell those people that you know what, guys. You know, the bloom was off the rose. We're not fresh and new anymore. We're two years into this thing. And uh, we're stagnating. We're stagnating. We, we didn't get a big boost when, when NXT went went over, left Wednesday night. We did not get a huge jump in the audience. Uh, we did, they got, did got some, but it didn't get like a big jump or anything. Um, and we're kind of treading water right now. And <clears throat> we can, you know, we can make it for the rest of the time that you guys are here doing what we're doing but if this thing is going to have any type of longevity you know 10 years 20 years whatever we got to increase our fan base because we need a we need a bigger we need a bigger fan base to start from to have you know so that when the lean years come we won't fall too far basically but we need to expand our fan base because right now what we have is not enough to sustain this company 10 years 20 years whatever we we don't we don't have it right now and yeah so we need to bring so we've got to bring somebody in who can expand it who can help us expand it and out of all the people who were free and available he's the best one and he's the only one yeah there was nobody <laughs> else that was going to bring in what cm punk brought in because look and if you go back to the monday night wars what what happened wcw got hulk hogan they got Randy <laughs> savage right they didn't sign you know irs Okay, right. Return, right, okay, and no disrespect, but they got Hulk Hogan, they got Randy Savage, right? They got Diesel and Razor Ramon, right? That's what they brought in. They did not bring in mid carters or whatever. They didn't bring in somebody that Vince let go or something, okay? Yeah. They brought in big names who would bring big attention just by showing up. And you know, they got and look, AEW, they got their first little hit of that with Moxley, but then, it, but this was two years later. Right. So now, you know, you needed another boost. And, you know, John Cena wasn't coming through that door. Roman Reigns was not coming through that door. Seth Rollins was not coming through that door. Brian Danielson wasn't the hit. No, you know, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole weren't the big no, boost no, you thought they were going to be. No, they're, no, they're not. They never were. But, but they needed somebody. And again, I mean, to, you know, like I said, John Cena's not coming. Roman Reigns is not coming. Seth Rollins is not coming. Yeah. So, um, those guys are not coming here. All right. Um, they're not. <clears throat> oh, this is the guy who was available. And this is the guy who can best do something for us in that department. And he's got history. <clears throat> and he's not, you know, and some of you guys have even worked with him, so you know how he is. Yeah. Chris Jericho, Moxley. Um oh. And we're not going to harbor any illusions about who this guy is. We're not. And look, look. But if we want this thing to succeed in the long term, we need somebody like him to boost our audience. Yeah. So whatever you know, if you got some issues with him, you need to, you need to deal with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and period. Well, I've I've had this conversation with a couple of my employees because I have two girls that are on my team who worked elsewhere and they have heat from another clinic. And they came, this came to my attention. They've both been working with me, one of them two years, the other one for a year. This just came to my attention about three weeks ago. I said, okay, that's fine. You don't work there anymore. 
whatever it was, you guys leave it at the door and you maintain your job here. You know, I expect you two to be professional together. You don't have to like each other. You don't have to go out for drinks, hold each other's babies and kiss them. But while you're here on the clock working for me, I expect you to be professional. And thus far they have. You know, you'd say you've, if you want to make money and you want to be successful, you've got to leave that shit at the door. And I understand maybe the wrestling, because regardless of what people say about pro wrestling, pro wrestling is fucking competitive. It may not be competitive in the same way of like basketball, football, amateur wrestling, you know, or MMA or something like that. But the, the, the brand supremacy of an individual is extremely fucking competitive. It's like those combined with acting. Right. Right. So you're, you're going to be competitive, but at the same time, if somebody obviously is coming in the door with enough fan cachet to put money in your pocket, suck it up. You know, suck it up and deal with it. Say, okay, look, this guy was a dick to me four years ago. Actually, some of these guys even longer ago than that. You know, this guy was a dick to me 10 years ago at an indie show. You know, okay, it was 10 years ago. Let me... Let me see how this plays out. Now, to be fair, for those that let it play out, Punk showed his ass a couple of times, so that's on him. You know, and there's no excusing that. But for guys that came in with a certain amount of, well, who's this guy? And, you know, I'm not going to listen to that guy. And, you know, fuck this guy. If you started off CM Punk coming in the door that way, that's 100% on you. And obviously you don't like money. Obviously you don't like the idea of this company succeeding. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have wanted to be in Tony Khan's shoes. Um, I, I think depending on how serious the situation was, he made the right call by firing CM Punk, but he should have fired Jack Perry as well. Like both of these guys should be sitting on the unemployment line. But if you're looking at it from a company perspective, he should have fired Jack Perry and kept CM Punk. And I'm defending Punk. I mean, I, I hate that for myself. And look, and look, Punk brought all this on himself. And I've said, look, he's he's responsible for his actions, regardless, yes. of, you know, regardless of you know whether I agree with his philosophy or whatever. He brought you know he brought this on himself, and he's got nobody to blame but himself. Um, but again, I will put a lot of this situation this situation becoming as bad as it did. I'm going to lay at Tony's feet. Um, yeah, because. Again, what um, cause remember, you know, the thing about Hangman Page basically going off script and shooting off on him in a promo. Why did he think it was okay to do that? Yeah. Regardless of how he feels about CM Punk, why did he think it was okay to go on live TV and go off script and shoot on the guy? Why, why did it, he think that was okay? It wasn't. It's called going into business it, for yourself. And imagine that it happened on Monday Night Raw and the old man was back there. Well, I mean, uh, I mean Triple H wouldn't have. So it won't stand for it either. I mean, he would have. No. Vince, has, Vince has fired Vince, people for going into business for themselves, and he don't give a fuck who it was. They yeah. walk through the curtain, and he'll just be like, "Keep walking." Yeah, um, and um, and it's so to me, you know, Hangman. He thought it was okay. Yeah, that was the environment. The environment that they was there, you know, led him to think it was okay because you know because um, of. You know, punk hates punk hates Colt Cabana, so you know, and 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 that's the other thing. Tony, I mean, a lot of this started because Tony moved Colt Cabana to Ring of Honor, and so Hangman and those guys 
assumed that Punk asked for it. And now Punk says he didn't. Now we don't know. We have no idea. Okay. But um, if Tony just did that because he thought, well, that's what this would make Punk happy, then he shouldn't have done, he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. He should have went to him and said, look, what's the deal with you and Cabana here? I mean, um, I'm not, I'm not going to fire him because just because you're here. But, you know, I mean, you don't, I mean, you don't have to work with him or anything, but, you know. And if he yeah. if Punk did ask for it, if Punk asked for it, and then he did move him because Punk asked for it, then that then that was bad on Tony, because you're all you're already giving into the guy. Um, so either way, I mean, I don't think he should have moved Colgabani. I mean, whether Punk asked for it or not. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if Punk asked, said, "Hey man, get this guy out of here," like, no. Man, I know, I know y'all don't, you know, I know y'all don't, y'all not friends no more, and y'all don't, y'all hate each other's guts and all that stuff, but. I'm not going to fire him and you guys don't have to work together and you guys don't run and you don't have to be around each other. Okay. Yeah. But I'm not going to start firing people just because you don't like them. And, and I'm not going to move people around because you don't like them. Um, and so I think Tony messed up there. Yeah. And, and that was, that is allegedly the source of all the heat. You know, that was the origin point of all the heat. That's why hangman shot on him. And Tony let this stuff just fire out of control over and over and over. And at some point, he needs, to, you know, after, look, after Hangman did that, he should have sat him down and said, look, what is your fucking problem? Yeah. Um, you know, that's, Punk should have basically get mad at him. But Tony should have gotten mad at him. Yeah. That's fundamentally the biggest difference between Vince and Tony, is it? fucking Vince fired the Ultimate Warrior when the Ultimate Warrior came backstage after a match. He told the Ultimate Warrior, who at the time was a walking ATM for WWF, he sent him home. He fired his ass and sent him home. Tony Khan should not be afraid to fire anyone. And until he reaches that, he's never that company's never going to survive. I think, and, and we can close this up here, I think the, the biggest tragedy and the biggest casualty in this entire thing is going to end up being Collision. Um, collision was allegedly created so CM Punk could have a home in AEW where he could do his thing with the people that he really liked, and it's the one complete AEW show that I've watched in the three and a half years this has been a company, and it was good. Collision, what I saw of it, was really good. It was a show that I would tune into weekly because I ain't watching the Wednesday night show. I sure as hell ain't watching a Friday night show. I would have watched the Saturday night show as it was. Now it's probably just going to turn into an all-elite circle jerk, and I have no time for that. <laughs> no. I had no time for it at all. So it, it, what they were they were gonna win me over as a viewer. AEW was. I've stood my ground with this company for over three years. I'm not watching it because of the way they act, because of the way their fan base is, and because of all the gratuitous, ridiculous shots at WWE. Collision was the one show that reeled me in and was gonna keep me. And now we don't even have that anymore. I think it stinks. Um, I think the whole situation stinks, and I, I think I think this company is going to pay heavily for this one. Yeah, so. well, yeah, Jason, because I know we've, we've been we've been dominating the market. I mean, it's just you should have fired him after the first fight. I mean, you should have fired yes. somebody after the first fight. Um, it's just that thing, you know. 
he the guy showed his ass everywhere, every single place he went. He again, he won us all over again, and he showed his ass again, and then he brought him back again. So I don't even feel bad about this one. It's just like, all right, man, enough. Yeah, this is on um, Tony. Yeah, this one's totally on Tony. It's just like, I don't know, man. He, he, some people are who they are. And, you know, he said he wanted to be here. And Peggy got on the mic and said, oh, I just want to help the kids. And, you know, that meant, you know, here's my introductory program with Taz. Uh, not Taz, excuse me, Hook. Uh, so I can, you know, by the way, sh- uh, latch on to one of the biggest rising stars in this company. Um, and then, boom, he was right on to the main event. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's yeah. just, but I, I think, think we it's can... worth pointing out. Uh, hold on, I think it's worth pointing out that for the entirety of a Punk's AEW career, from day of debut to day of of termination, Roman Reigns was the universal champion of World Wrestling Entertainment, as well as he main evented every single WrestleMania in that span. Poor CM Punk. Poor mm. guy. Let's hey, move on. That, is, that is the ultimate. That is the ultimate payoff in the long con of CM Punk making Roman Reigns look strong. All right. Let's move on from AEW. Let's talk a little bit of WWE. We are coming out of WWE Payback Weekend. Uh, the premium live event, live event was this past Saturday. I'm not. I don't think we should go too long into the card. I'm just going to start off by saying um, in last week's episode, and you can hear, again, go to the YouTube channel, look for the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, look for Brawl Brawl In Part 2. We do talk about WWE Payback. We give our predictions, and while I wasn't overly hyped for the show as a whole, I expected there to be good wrestling matches, and damn, they delivered. Like, every single wrestling match was good to great. Um, We... the show as a whole seemed to drag, and we, we had this complaint about the last two WWE Premium Live events. The timing and the pacing seemed really sluggish, even though the matches in, as individual pieces were very, very good. Uh, Jason, what, did, what was your interpretation of just the show in general? I had a good time, and that was my biggest takeaway, too, um, was that it was just, it felt like a slog, and it wasn't even that long. Um, just some at certain points it just dragged. I don't know if it would have helped uh, switching some matches around, but um, it just felt like the show dragged at points. Um, but yeah, overall, I had a good time. Rob? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up the uh, match times here. As we, um, yeah, I mean, that was my, yeah, like the, the matches individually were all good. The only one I, I did, did miss the, um, the Rey Mysterio match. I forgot what I was doing at the time. <laughs> but, um, so I did miss that one, but the rest of the matches were good. There was nothing bad there, but no. The, the show the old... Go ahead. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. I'm just fidgeting with my phone and kind of. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, because I'm looking at the, at the times here, and okay, the opener was 20 minutes. La Night and the Miz was 15 minutes. That did not need to be 15 minutes. No, I think they could yeah. have gotten in and out in 10. <laughs> um. Yeah. Ray and Austin Theory was that Ray and Austin Theory was the shortest match on the show. That was nine minutes and forty nine seconds here, according to the Cage Match. Uh, the tag team title match was twenty minutes. That didn't need. They could have done that in fifteen. Um, 
Rhea and Raquel were 17 minutes. They could have definitely... They could have shaved five to seven minutes off of that. Yeah. And the main event was 25. Wow. I was okay with it. The main event is the one match that didn't feel long. Like, you told me, you know, Becky and Trish in the cage, which was match of the night for me. Like, absolutely. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. Absolutely match of the night for me. It felt longer than 20 minutes. Um. And and I don't mean that like negatively. It just felt like there was so much going on that when you told me it was only 20 minutes, I'm like, how? That felt like a 25, 30 minute match. Um, and it was because there was so much going on. Um, the match in and of itself, like I said, match of the night for me, Trish Stratus at I believe 47 years old. No business. We said this. We gave Batista his flowers in his retirement match against Triple H. Batista gave us everything he had at a time when he didn't have to do that. And Trish Stratus did the exact same thing Saturday night. She went out in that cage, gave us everything she had. She had a huge goose egg on her forehead. The the, 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 the spot of the night for me was her dangling on the cage by her legs. I thought that whole visual was just incredible. Um, Becky Lynch turned it up a notch. I, it's They brought out the best in each other in a feud that we all agreed had no heat to it. Like there was yeah. no heat going into this cage match, and then they absolutely lit the cage on fire. It's it's weird how they did it. Yeah, we poo pooed it. We poo pooed them. We thought they gave it away. They thought they we gave they gave away the finish on Monday Night Raw. We were wrong. They uh they managed to just get it fired back up again, and uh, they delivered a hell of a match. Yeah, I do have one thing to say. Oh, oh boy. boy, here we go. Here it comes. For those of you Rest people, lady. To, for those of you people who like to complain about a certain other women's wrestler and she gets booked, I'm just here to tell you that Becky Lynch won two handicap matches in six days. <laughs> okay. That's exactly what they were. Both times she was fighting two people, literally. Okay. I I'm okay now, with it. Oh, go ahead and finish, and then I got okay. a thought. And now they're about to have her bury Tiffany Stratton. Okay. Yeah. So I do not want to hear a damn thing from you people ever again. Hey, Robert. Yeah. Do, do you remember when the Queen went down and won the NXT Women's Championship? They had Match of the Night at WrestleMania that year, yes. And people okay. complain, and these people complain and complain. Oh, Rhea Ripley's momentum got stalled. Rhea Ripley got derailed. And, and now Rhea Ripley's arguably the biggest woman in one of the biggest stars in the company right now. And uh, and um oh well, it, but it took her three years to get go her momentum back now, DJ. It oh, took her Jesus three years Christ. to get it back. Oh, whatever. It These people her, don't know what the hell they're talking about. Over, over three years because you know they had a five star match at WrestleMania, and then because of the last thirty seconds of that five star match. Her whole career got derailed. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we know how they do. <laughs> Charlotte derails careers, buddy. <laughs> yes, I know. And just like, you know, and Oscar still has not recovered. Okay. No, no multi time women champion Oscar has, has well, not recovered. And which is one hey. time I was reading like one review of that That's match at, at WrestleMania. And this person wrote in the same paragraph this match derailed Oscar's momentum. She would go on to become the SmackDown women's champion later that year. <laughs> I mean, it's also okay. worth noting that you know the that match you point out of Rhea and you know and Charlotte and NXT. Well, who won 
I mean, excuse me, who did Rhea win this championship with uh, from that she's going on this historic run with? But it took her, but but three years, Jason. Three, oh, three, oh, I'm sorry, took, Robert. You're right. Three years. <laughs> three years. Okay. I'm sorry. We wanted cake sure. and ice cream right away. We couldn't and, wait between things. And Anywho, three. since we're talking Rhea Ripley, real quick, the only match that at least started off kind of sluggish was Rhea and Raquel. And, but the, this is why I said this match could have been a bit shorter because the second half of the match cooked. Like once Raquel woke up and really started getting in there and getting after uh, Rhea Ripley, the match picked up. And the last, I'd say the last five minutes of the match for me was incredible. But the first seven to 10 was like, all right, this is a match they could have done on Raw or SmackDown. It's <clears throat> very slow-paced, not even, like, methodically paced, because, like, some matches will be very methodical and it's intentional. This just felt plotting for the first half. And then it picked up and cooked. Uh, I, it, Rhea Ripley winning, no surprise there. Yeah. A um, couple other high spots. I thought there was a few people on my timeline that thought Ray and Theory had a bad match. I thought the match was very good. Yeah, I had a good time. I mean, yeah. I enjoyed it. Again, we're furthering a storyline that's brewing with the LWO. We're also building towards an eventual Austin Theory babyface turn. I feel like this is coming. Um, I, I feel like right now everybody's like, oh, they don't know what they're doing with Theory. I think they know exactly what they're doing with Theory. They're waiting to pull the trigger. People forget this kid is only like 23, 24 years old. Theory doesn't need to be theory could go another five years, not be in the main event, not be anywhere near a universal or world heavyweight championship championship, come out the other end of that, still young enough to be in the main event scene for another 10 years. I think people forget that. Yeah. Everybody's in this hurry for him to to arrive. And I'm like, why does he need to arrive? Just let the guy wrestle. Let the guy wrestle. Let him cook. Let him do his thing. He's physically fine in the ring. He's shown he's got the chops on the mic. They'll find a way to make him where they want to be. I, I don't think we've seen the final evolution of Austin Theory. No. And um, and the, we just finished talking about Rhea Ripley, right? I mean, um, you know, because remember when she won the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania back in 2021? A month later, people, not even a month later, people were saying, well, they did this too early with her because yeah. she, she was kind of struggling a little bit there. coming out. She of the was. She and, was. Um, and so, oh, and, and, and who did they put her with to help her stop struggling? Um, who, who was that? Who was that? Um, yeah, well, well, never mind. Okay. But, um, but, uh, um, but there were people saying, that, you know, that, well, they did this too early. You know, and not even not, not the crazy people in our timeline. Some people who have who have normally reasonable takes about stuff were saying that they thought that they went with her too early and all of this and all of that. Um, I'm one of them, and I'm a huge Rhea Ripley fan. I've been down with Rhea Ripley since the May Young Classic. And and then remember, well, and those of us you know, really old folks remember back in 2004, they put the world title on on one Randall Keith Orton in. He was all like 24 years old, and that didn't go so great. No, it did not. Um, so, look, if it happens early for somebody where they where they really do just get it all early, that's fine. Yeah. 
but there is no shame in somebody not getting crowned until they're 28, 29, 30 years old. It's really not that it's not a problem. Well, it's historically in the industry, wrestlers don't hit their maturity in their stride until they're in their 30s. You look at, you know, let's look, let's take Seth and Roman. You know, obviously, you know, Roman 10 years ago, much different performer, you know, at what what's Roman now? 37? Yeah. 38? You then he was then he was at 28. You know, 28, he was a physically imposing specimen, but not nearly the maturity. Not nearly the the the, the expertise and the finesse. Same thing with Seth. Seth could go in and perform the moves very well you know, at his age at that point in time when The Shield was first introduced. But that ain't the same Seth Rollins you see in the ring now. Not in terms of psychology, in terms of working the crowd, in terms of developing a character. It took him 10 years to get there. So we've got to ease off the... Wrestling fans do this, and it pisses me off. Somebody gets introduced, and if they're not in the main event scene within a year or two years of being introduced to the roster, it's an absolute flop. And the people out there doing this with Austin Theory right now, just the mental gymnastics over trying to find a way that WWE is ruining him is absolutely mind-blowing to me. It just, God. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I just, um, you know, and then, um, So I, I I didn't see that match. Um, so I I don't have a comment on that one. I forgot what I was doing. But it that was, was solid. Tonight. It was uh, fine. I don't I don't understand what people are complaining about. I had a good time. Because, and then uh, right. They're just it's the LWO story, and it uh, also it was early on the card. Like that's welcome to you know payback, guys. Because it, it's it's shit on Austin Theory season, and it's oh, been yeah. I mean, honestly, um, it's been that. Well, it's been there for a while, but it it picked it ramped up after WrestleMania because you know he I mean he beats John Cena and that match wasn't great or anything, and then they didn't really do a whole lot with him after that, and so it just you know the the, the whole narrative has just gotten gotten on steroids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like okay, well you know what? In five years from now, that guy's headlining WrestleMania in five years. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, what are y'all going to say then? Um, when, it, when it's him and Grayson Waller in the main event, not maybe not WrestleMania, but at some premium some, live event, yeah, Grayson Waller versus Austin Theory is happening in the next five years. Yeah. Um, and um, now I guess the only... Um, yeah, I said, I said on our show last week that... Um, Depending on what happens here with Raquel and Rhea, it might be time to have a conversation about Raquel. Um, do y'all feel that's the case? Yeah, I feel like Saturday. I, I like Raquel. I have been, you know, I, I, I've been caping for Raquel for a while. I want her to succeed. I feel like Saturday kind of exposed how green she still is. Because um, there were times in there, like I said, the first half of the match, it really felt like. Um, something's not firing here. Something's not cooking. The last half of the match picked up. I enjoyed it very much, but there were definitely times in there, and I think this is one of those times, and we've talked about this before, some people are just not 17-minute wrestlers. You know, they're finally, we talk, We used Mandy Rose as the example. When Mandy Rose went back down to NXT, she was a three- to five-minute wrestler, okay? 
three to five minutes, get her in, get her out, have some shenanigans, a couple of run-ins if you need be, get her the hell out of there. By the time Mandy Rose was released, Mandy Rose could pull off a believable 15-minute match, and we had a grand time with it. I don't think Raquel is there, and I don't know how you get her there. Um, I think she's got a great look. I think she's extremely powerful. Um, I've seen her have good matches. Of all people, she had a great match with Ronda Rousey. You know, Ronda Rousey, the one that everybody thinks can't do this shit. Raquel Gonzalez had a great match with her. The one who's supposed to be the top star in the industry, uh, Rhea Ripley, Raquel had a decent match with Rhea Ripley. Maybe it was an off night. It happens. You know, sometimes like I'll use Becky and Trish. Becky and Trish have had some matches prior to the cage match that were decent. Then they went out there and they had the match of the night. And what some people are calling, and I disagree with, a match of the year candidate. I'm sorry, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, at least in WWE, still holds that honor for me. I thought Becky and Trish was really, really good. I don't think it was, I don't think it was better than Charlotte and Rhea from WrestleMania. Um, but that just shows sometimes you have an off night. If Rhea and you know Raquel were to go in two weeks and have another match, could it be different? Absolutely. But Saturday night, I feel like I feel like they kind of exposed Raquel a little bit. I think they had her out in the ring too long. And now one thing I did um, I didn't realize until I was thinking about this because um, when, when Raquel started to get the big push in NXT, it was in 2020, and like basically two months after she started getting the big push, it was pandemic time. Yeah. And so that's basically she lost a year where she would have been on the road doing for you know working in NXT house shows. Yeah. And she com- completely lost that. It was just gone, you know. And um, and then the N- NXT didn't start going back on the road until what last year. Yeah, it's been about a year now. We've been going back to NXT shows, yeah. which reminds me, I'm going to one on Saturday. I'll give you guys the uh, the report on that next week. Oh, nice. But basically, okay. she, she, so she missed. The whole time she would have been on the NXT, you know, roadshow, basically, she didn't get it. Yeah. She missed all of it. So, you know, she was only working, she worked matches that were on TV, you know, once a week, you know, and then, of course, you don't wrestle every week either. So, right. she, missed, she missed a lot of time where she would have been getting reps. And then... Before, you know, and then, then she got called up to the main roster before, you know, before NXT started going back on the road again. So she missed that, all that entirely. Um, yeah. So she's, in a way, she's still catching up. Um, and I think, yeah. and so I think it's right to, I mean, you, you judge what, obviously you judge the, the end result of what she's doing. You have to call it what it is. Um, but I think people, you need to keep in mind, she missed an entire year in which she would have been on the road you know, not in front of 10,000 people or whatever, um, and just getting better at working and also at working with, and then at working with the same people. Cause yeah. I mean, you know, one thing about the horse women, like they wrestled each other a hundred, they wrestled each other all the friggin' time for like three years. Right. right. Um, Raquel would have been on the road, probably working with Rhea Ripley for a year. Yeah. Um, you know, working oh. with, you know, Dakota and, others for a year right well uh, that last woman standing match that they had for Rhea's nxt graduation was incredible 
But yeah, again, yeah. I think it plays to it played to both women's strengths at the time. Yeah, yeah, it did. They had. I mean, I I just think Rhea, uh, not Rhea. Excuse me, um, Raquel. Uh, I don't know why they were asking her to go that long. To your DJ, to your point, DJ, and also, I don't know. I, she's proven that like it's definitely worth. There's something there. Keep trying with this gal. Like, oh yeah, de- uh, definitely. As you would say, don't like, throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, the gimmick is there. Like the gimmick is wrong. We've scrapped the gimmick. Try something new. Try something new every six months. I don't care until you figure it out. Send her back down to NXT. Bring her back over to Raw. I don't know, but keep trying something. But the as currently configured, smiley go lucky that turns into a rage monster once in a while. We're just not cutting it. And then, you know, to Rob, to, to that point, Rob made, you know, yeah, she'd missed out on a ton of time. So why are you asking her when you already know, you know, certain things are a struggle? Why are you asking her to go 15 minutes for stuff? Silly. Well, I th- Stop sometimes it. I think you just throw people out there to see what they can do. Um, some of it on her part may have been nerves. As Rob said, she doesn't have a whole lot of experience working in front of a crowd that large. So this was a big moment for her. You know, I don't want to dump on it because, like I said, the second half of the match was a much – it was like the tale of two matches. It really was. It was like the first half of the match was like a TV match. Second half was definitely a pay-per-view match. So it picked up. She got her bearings, and both women cooked. Um, I just think something was missing. As our friend Jay likes to say, she's still developing. And we got to remember that. Yeah, and I think we, and I think in her case, it's especially been, it's like it's been forgotten that she missed a whole year of working on the road, right? Uh, because of the pandemic, right? So, so another match I'm not going to talk too much about was the tag team match. I think it ended the way it should have. I'm glad to see Judgment Day finally, finally get a win in something that means something. Aspects of the match were fun. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the finish very much. I loved the the swanton from Kevin Owens. My God, that guy is trying to kill himself. I believe it. Um, yeah. But all in all, they could have shaved five minutes off of this match, maybe a little more, and told the same story, got it done in, a, in much less time. And, you know, congratulations to Judgment Day for winning this one. It was much needed. It furthers their story. It legitimizes and cements them as the top stable on Raw right now. Yeah, I think uh, it was time for, I'm certainly time for Kevin Owens and Sammy to lose those things so they can go off and do other stuff. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I don't, again, we're still at kind of at a crossroads, of this, not a crossroads, but like a standstill with these tag titles. Because now you know, okay, well, those things aren't moving until we're ready to do the next part of Judgment Day's story. So... Yeah. Ooh, would be nice if we get some traction with those tag titles. Maybe we'll see something move, but um, we're not going to see any movement with those tag titles until Judgment Day implodes. Like which, we're stuck. We're which, stuck in a holding pattern until that happens. And I'm hoping that that doesn't take too long, because no, because now it's just you got all your your tag teams are all running in circles and. And it's like now, like, for example, like, well, now you got the Street Profits, you know, they're doing this thing with Bobby now. 
they can't just they can't just beat people up for the next six months. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, right. I mean, if after you know if after we got another two or three weeks of them beating people up before it's like okay, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is, you know, at this point in kayfabe, the tag team should be like complaining to management. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm sorry that the blood, I'm sorry that the bloodline manipulated you into getting those belts onto one team, but you know, and then they've been following them around ever since. But you know, it's time for you to fix this. Right, because I mean, look, they they fixed the. the they fixed the world title situation, right? Yeah. Management so already in kayfabe has, has yeah. addressed these concerns. Yeah. Um, and I guess the only other thing I had from I, the main event, I didn't, I didn't like the finish of the main event. No, I as much as Seth this is my boy. I will. I was pulling for Nakamura to win this. And even well, I don't yeah. even find with him winning. It's just. If you're going to keep the feud going, he should have won like on a small package or something. I mean, yeah, definitively, cleanly beating Nakamura was kind of, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a shame that the finish is what it was because the match was awesome. Yeah, the, the match was incredible. The guys were cooking. Um, everybody looked good. This is the best I've seen Nakamura look in over a year. Yeah. Um, you know, we jokingly talk about Nakamura like, you know, two or three times a year. He tries to remind everybody who he is and who he was. And he did that Saturday night. He pulled out all the yep. stops and he looked incredible. Um, yeah. But the, the, then you got to the finish and you're like, all right, what are we doing here? Yep. Yeah, I, I'm I was I, halfway through that. I was like, man, Nakamura might win this. Um they they wrote me in pretty well. Uh, they but, had yeah, me. They I had me thinking that. it too. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It, but yeah, the clean. It just fell fell flat because it again, that's not. I'm still banging this drum. He's not a baby face, you know. Um, so I'm not like, oh, good, Seth. You know, kept the title. The good guy won. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it did definitely <laughs> fell flat for me. So, couple couple takeaways. Um, obviously, some things some things were not resolved. La Knight and uh, the Miz still not done. John Cena is in the mix of there somewhere. Being that he was a special guest referee, um, we'll see where that's headed. I'm kind of interested to see where that's going to go. Um, Nakamura and Seth Rollins still not done. Nakamura attacked him after the match off the air. I believe he, I haven't seen Raw yet, but I think they, they went into they went at it on Raw again, didn't they? Oh, yeah, he attacked him again. Yeah, they, he attacked him again on Raw. Uh, Zoe Stark turned on Trish Stratus, uh, left Trish, and Trish apparently got a standing ovation after that match, which she deserved. Yeah. Biggest story of the night, though, Jay Uso, now part of Raw. Yeah. Um, that was when I, and I think that's something that we should talk about for a couple of minutes because that's huge. You know, it's, you know, now the bloodline is completely severed, fractured. And you know Jay's on Raw, Jimmy and Roman and Solo and the, the 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 Wise Man are all on SmackDown. We'll see if that gets addressed. Uh, well, we'll see if that's been addressed. That the airing of this show SmackDown will have happened, so we'll, you'll already know. Uh, very very interesting to see what they do with that. And now this is interesting because the main event scene on Raw is stacked. You've got 
you know, Seth Rollins, you've got um, Cody Rhodes, you've got Nakamura's now up there. Jey Uso's proven that he can go with anybody. Now, I don't think they'll start him off. He'll have to kind of build himself up the ladder, but I fully expect Jey Uso to be in, in that conversation. Uh, we've still got Drew McIntyre lingering around. You can always move Sammy Owens. Uh, Owens. It's the same guy these days. So it's Sam, <laughs> Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens are pretty much the same guy anymore. Um, fight together. But yeah, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, when they're healthy again, either one of these two guys could be slotted in there. The main event scene on Raw is crazy right now, and Jey Uso is now a big part of that. Yeah, I'm excited. I want that. I really feel like this is also a fun way. They're going to keep Jimmy and Jay separate, and they're gonna. I'm I'm fantasy booking that they they might get their WrestleMania match that they wanted. So um it's a pretty cool i i think it's going to be fun for jay just to see him really um okay now totally separate of bloodline do you earn the main event jay uso moniker um i we'll see uh i'm excited though it looks it's gonna be fun his music is horrendous though by the way <laughs> <clears throat> i'll have to listen to it again i know you guys shared an edit in the in the chat i'll have to listen to it later i haven't had a chance so Rob, yeah, you got any thoughts on Jey Uso now on Raw? Um, I was legit surprised um, that that move was made. Um, like I said, there's, there's a, but I'll say this: um, I think it was needed because as stacked as the Raw main event scene is, they've had the same people wrestling each other for like two and a half months on the yeah. TV events. It's been some combination of Judgment Day versus some combination of. Cody, Seth, and Kevin, or Cody, Sammy, and Kevin, or Seth, Sammy, and Kevin. It's it's been some combination of that for like the last two and a half months, almost every week. Yeah. So they needed they needed to bring somebody in there who has not been a part of that for the last two and a half months. Um, and so I think it was excellent move to get him and get get him away from Jimmy because and now and you know so now this Jimmy's going to getting his turn now to, you know, actually to be kind of a more of a main character kind of dude. Yeah. And, I mean, that wasn't going to happen as long as him and Jay were both there. So we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, and it looks like, you know, Jimmy, it looks like he may have a, you know, he and Cena may do something here because he, well, he's, Jimmy's wrestling AJ Friday. Yep. And, uh, and it looks, uh, and that, so that looks like, I mean, we could be headed towards some, OC bloodline confrontation um, eventually out of this. Um, because there's a lot of different stuff for Jay to do over there on Raw. I saw some people suggest maybe Jay beats Gunther. <laughs> um, possibly. <laughs> um, and honestly, and again, and you know, and, and you know, I don't like doing the you deserve it thing, but if there's a reward, if if somebody deserves, if anybody deserves a reward for three years of great character work and stepping up their in-ring work and becoming a, a legit main event level player, um, I think it's Jay. And if and it looks oh, like, oh, it's not pinning the longest reigning modern day world champ. It's oh, uh, that that wasn't a big enough reward. Pinning him clean as a whistle, one, two, three, in front of his mama, his papa, and you know all the, you know all the saints and sailors. Yeah, and then Jeez. three weeks later, he got absolutely bodied. So 
Yeah, it's, we, we got to yeah. give Jay his flowers. I think Jay would be an incredible Intercontinental Champion. Dude, look, let me be honest. Jay's not going to win the world title, to be honest. Okay? No. He, he's not winning either one of those titles. He's not winning. He's definitely not beating Roman. And he ain't winning the world title either. We can be honest about that. Um, no. um But Jay Intercontinental. And then, because look, Gunther needs to move up and start going after the world title. And, you know, maybe that doesn't happen until Rumble season, maybe. But it, it needs to... He needs Gunther's on the clock for moving up now. I think. Oh, he is now. Now that he's yeah. and we need to congratulate him for surpassing Honky Tonk Man's record as the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion ever. Gunther, congratulations. Yeah. So it's t- it's time it's it's time for him to move up a division, you know, move up the ladder here. And so why not Jay? I mean, of, of the people there, I mean, um, it makes. It would make sense, um, and again, it's it's it it, it may it, it's him being there makes Raw interesting because like, I know how hot the Judgment Day is as an act, but they've literally been doing the same shit for like two and a half months. Yeah, um, no, that's facts. Um, so you know, adding some other element to the mix here, and he, and whether he fights any of them or not, right? Whatever Jay ends up doing. It's just, it's another thing to pay attention to. It's a different thing to pay attention to now on Raw. Right. Um, so I think right. it's... So let me kick a question around the room here, and then I think we'll take it home. There was an announcement made that there will be a trade to SmackDown from Raw for the for, for Jey Uso. Uh, Rob, I'll go with you. Who do you think is uh, who do you think's going to SmackDown? Well, I mean, all right. And a lot of people were saying, well, it's going to be Cody. Um I'd say it depends on how quickly they do it. Um, if they don't, if they just sit, if they sit on it until like next year, it's definitely going to be Cody. If they do it quickly, then it, it will not, because there's no point in sending him over there in September or October. Yeah. Um, so depends. I think if it, again, if they wait a while, if they wait till next year, it'll be Cody. If it's some, if it's sooner, um, man, um, who would I send over there? Um, good question. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, or it doesn't necessarily need to be a single worst. It could be a tag team. Uh, yeah, or you know, um, could be one of the women wrestlers because I mean, because as it stands right now, um, we don't know when Dakota's coming back. So right now, I mean, you got EO and Bailey, and and then on the other side, you got Charlotte, Shotzi, Oscar will be with them soon. You know, Bianca whenever she comes back from you know the kayfabe injury, um, so they need it. You know, Bailey and EO need another person at least. So it could be, you know, you could send a woman wrestler over there. Um, so, I mean, um, oh, I hope that if they're going to do somebody soon, I hope they, they, they think a little bit outside the box. I'm hoping. Um, okay. Be, but again, if they wait till next year, then it's obvious. I mean, you know, because um, otherwise, if they're going to do Cody and Roman again, then... You know, Cody got to win the Rumble again, right? Um, 
and I don't know if they want to do that, you know. All right. <sighs> he could win. Excuse me. Cody could win the elimination chamber. He could. Sure. Jason, who do you think's going to Raw, going to SmackDown from Raw? I mean, tired Cody. Um, wired, I think it's going to break up some sort of tag team or uh, group or take a singular person out of a group or leave a group for with a singular person on Raw because Adam Pierce said to Jay, Hey man, they want to let you know that SmackDown's going to get compensation for you, and it might not be like if Cody goes to SmackDown, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to be like, oh, man, I'm pissed at Jey Uso now. Like, nobody, nobody's going to care. So I think maybe that's good. If, like Rob said, if that happens in the next couple of weeks, that's what it's going to be. Um, it's going to be somebody that gets broken up and so that it leaves somebody pissed at Jey. Uh, if it doesn't, if it, yeah, if it gets delayed for a while, then I think, um, then, yeah, we're, 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 we're headed down a very long uh, roads to WrestleMania too. Okay. I'm going to go out on a very, very thin, thin limb and say Bronson Reed. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I would go for that because he, um, he's, I don't know what they're doing with him. I mean, they're, they're, they're not doing anything with him. He's, he's, stuck, he's in purgatory. That's not, thin, that's not a thin limb. That's a thick tree trunk. Yeah. So, all right, well, I think we can call the go home there. I think we had a great episode here tonight, guys. I agree. All right, so we are going to say good night here. I'm going to wrap back around the room like I always do. Thanks, my co-host. Going to start off with Jason, sir. Glad to have you back. Good time tonight. Obviously, we did. Uh, this has been nothing but the best. Um, I love doing this stuff. Yeah, this is so cathartic for me, and I love doing it with you guys. From the Rob the Genius podcast, Mr. Rob, as always, thank you for your input and your insight. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and hopefully we don't talk about Phil Brooks anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to move on from that unless something else huge happens. This has been no, 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 no. I don't, uh, DJ, you misunderstand. Rob doesn't mean just us as a show. He means us as a society. Oh, yeah, we need to let him just move on with his life and go do whatever he's going to do for the rest of his life. Anyway, before we get out of here, I want to invite you to go over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. From there, you can browse through the selection of Chair Shot Radio Network t-shirts, including this very own podcast, Mindless Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. We all three had input on the design. One of my good friends helped design the t-shirt. It's really fun. Speaks to the WWE drone in all of us. Go check it out. That is ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick one up. Pick one up in soft style. Your skin will thank you. We will thank you. This has been the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the Chair Shot Radio Network. You can find it on thechairshot.com, where we remind you and encourage you to always use your head. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. And we're out of here, hopefully, until next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.